0: Hey everybody, and welcome to Onset with Errol Koenig. I am Errol Koenig. This podcast is all about the film and television industry, where I interview Academy Award-winning filmmakers, special effects coordinators, screenwriters, actors, producers, and others on or around a major motion picture set. This podcast series is designed to give students and young filmmakers insight into the background, inspiration, and career paths for different jobs in the movie and television industry. Today, we have a very special guest, Roger Wolfson. Roger is a television writer who has worked on such incredible shows, ranging from Saving Grace, The Closer, Law & Order SVU, and Fairly Legal. Also, Roger is an alumni of my school, Johns Hopkins University. In this episode, we're going to be talking about his creative process, whether it be working on a brand new show or in the writer's room of a pre-existing one. Now, here is my interview with Roger Wolfson. Thank you, Roger, so much for agreeing to be on my podcast. You're welcome, Errol. It's a pleasure. So let's
1: start off, introduce yourself, and say what you do. My name is Roger Wolfson. I'm a TV writer and screenwriter here in Hollywood. I've written for five different TV series, and I've sold about seven projects of my own. I also work as a speechwriter from time to time. I'm an attorney, and I have a pretty active background and involvement in politics. Okay, so
0: first question. Kind of describe your writing process when you are working on a
1: script. Let's say, for example, you're developing a new project. What do you do daily and long term? Well, it's, interestingly enough, Errol, you've had a chance to be a part of it for the last couple of hours. Um, I'll start by describing my office. My office is on the fifth floor of my house. It, um, o- it has a balcony that overlooks Silver Lake, and the entire um, northern wall of the office is glass, which is a, it's a huge whiteboard <clears throat> that's covered with, at the top, a list of my one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine active projects, and then all, all across the board are notes from individual projects and musings and some different thoughts that I have. Um, over the course of the day, I'll probably work on two or three or four of my projects, um, each one uh, individually. I, I don't. I try not to multitask in within the same hour or two. Um, But I'll I'll take one project as far as I can go, and then I'll switch to the next one. So, for example, uh, the first stage of any given project is to come up with the log line for the project, so I really have a sense of what I'm trying to say and what I'm trying to do, and I put a lot of work into trying to figure out what's the core essential drama. Mm -hmm. The next stage is typically I develop a pitch, um, and I will take that pitch out to... Producing pods, studios, and networks, and try and sell it before I write so that they'll pay me to actually write the script. The third process is typically to write an outline and get the approval of my producing pod, my studio, and my network on that outline. The third, the next step after that is to develop what's called a beat sheet, which is a scene by scene description of exactly what's going to be in every scene and every moment and visual of the pilot. And then the last and final stage is to turn, take that beat sheet and turn it into a script. Okay, so compare
0: that to when you're working as a staff writer on a show.
1: Well, it's a very, very different experience being on staff. When you're on a, when you're on a show, you have an office side-by-side uh, side with the other eight or nine writers on the show. You all tend to, and it depends on the, on the, on the show... But the average TV series has all the writers in one room uh, talking about one episode after another and maybe the entire season as a whole and different characters as a whole. Uh, You could be meeting in the room together as a group for as many as 8 to 12 hours a day, uh, just sometimes talking about your personal lives, otherwise talking about the personal lives of the characters talking about the season, talk about the different episodes, and sort of hashing it out. And then in a typical room everyone will, as a group, will hash out each individual episode and get it to an outline stage and then writers will peel off and be individually assigned that outline and be asked to turn that outline into a script. The script will then be reviewed very often by several different writers in the room before it goes to the showrunner, who's the head writer. And then the the showrunner ideally will give notes a couple of times on the script to the individual assigned writer and help them nurse that project through to the point where it's a finished script and can be shot. Sometimes the showrunner will take charge of the script and do a rewrite of their own. It's called taking a pass on a script. And then uh, that writer will typically remain with the script and go to the set and be on set for every single scene while the show is shot, uh, sitting at the side of the director and answering questions from the director and occasionally from actors with the director's blessing and permission uh, throughout the seven, eight, or sometimes nine-day shoots of the, of the episode.
0: Okay. So you've worked on a <coughs> bunch of uh, different projects, uh, ranging from uh, fairly legal Saving Grace, To The Closer, and Law and & Order SVU. Um, you know, Out of all the projects you've worked on, uh, what has been you know, some of your favorites? Like, What's been the most rewarding or the funnest to write?
1: Well, they've all been unique experiences. They've all been rewarding experiences. Uh, and I can say something wonderful about each one um, for different reasons. Writing My first show was called Century City. It was about a law firm 25 years in the future. And the showrunner on that one was Ed Zuckerman, who came off the Law & Order team. And on that staff was David Shore, who would go on to create the TV show House. In fact, he would come up with that show in the offices of uh, Century City. And um, he sold it to Fox alongside Paula Tanasio, who was one of the uh, executive producers on the show. What was exciting about that show was, first of all, it was my first show, but it was also... um, exciting to do sci-fi and Mm -hmm. to be thinking about the world 25 years in the future, let alone how the legal structure would end up um, panning out. Uh, It was incredible working alongside such talented writers, and the actors were amazing. The very first scene I ever wrote of television was a scene between Viola Davis and Hector Elizondo. So, I mean, I was really gifted to be able to do that. Um, The next show was... I believe Law & Order SVU. Um, And it was remarkable to work with Mariska Hargitay and to work with um, the Dick Wolf camp, which was its own unique mechanism. For example, there's no writer's room in the Dick Wolf camp, Um, at least not on Law & Order SVU, at least not the time when I wrote then. It's uh, each writer working individually with the showrunner. And uh, that's a very exciting, very dramatic process. And it was very satisfying. And then with The Closer, I got a chance to write for Kira Sedgwick. Um, it was also a great room of writers. It was uh, when it aired, when it premiered, it was the highest rated show in the history of basic cable. So it was very exciting room to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a chance to see that show really launched. And then uh, one of the two episodes I wrote that season um, got Kira Sedgwick nominated with her first, for her first Emmy Award. Um, although she didn't actually win that year, it was still pretty incredible to see that um, a clip from that episode be uh, shot um, be used at an award ceremony. Um, and then came Saving Grace, where I got a chance to write for Holly Hunter, and working with Holly was one of the great experiences of my life. She's such a genius and such an amazing actress. And um, Nancy Miller, who was the showrunner, is such an interesting person. And there was spiritual content to the show, and that was very satisfying to me. Uh, And then the fifth show that I wrote for was called Fairly Legal, and it was about a former lawyer who lived on a sailboat and no longer practiced law. And I was a former lawyer who lived on a sailboat who no longer practiced law. So that also had a lot of emotional uh, content for me. It was a really wonderful show with a great room as well.
0: Okay, uh, so let's back it up a little bit. Um, how did you get your uh, start in the industry?
1: Well, I, I kind of had to make my own opportunity, and that's that's sort of the way it works for most of us. I mean, for all the working writers that there are in Hollywood, that's how many different stories there are in order to succeed. Uh, for me, I'd already had an established career as an attorney, and also in Washington, D.C. I had worked in the U.S. Senate, and... Um, And uh, I had earned my master's degree in creative writing. So I I had a lot going on in my life before I came to Hollywood. Uh, So one might think that, that it was an easy choice then to come to Hollywood because I had the wind at my back. The reality was it was very challenging. I was giving up a big career, a successful career in Washington with a lot of influence, a lot of respect, a lot of contacts, Um, a lot of meaning to my work, and I was coming out here where I really didn't know anybody um, to work in a creative profession when I had never really worked in a creative profession profession before. It was very scary. Um, But I knew I wanted to do it, and I took it really seriously. So I threw myself into it. I sailed my boat here, um, so I knew that there was no easy route back took me nine months to sail out here. And I knew I wasn't gonna take nine months to sail back, not to mention it would be against the wind. Uh, And I just made my way I I, uh, introduced myself to people I um, realized pretty soon that I was gonna have to put together a script uh, that would be a calling card. And so at the time, the West Wing was a very popular TV show. So I really lucked out because my political background enabled me to write at least a very authentic version of the West Wing. and But that to me wasn't enough. I really I, I was determined to get a job and to get one quickly. And so I found a couple of writers on the West Wing. I cornered them. They were friends of friends. And I got them to read my first version of my West Wing script. And they gave me a lot of encouragement, but they also told me that the first West Wing script that I had written was not a West Wing script in terms of the West Wing has a lot of rules. And I had broken some of the rules. So when they told me that my script wasn't an effective West Wing script, my response, which is something that I really recommend to other people to follow, was instead of fighting for what I thought a West Wing script should be, I listened to the people who had more experience than I did. And I threw away the script and I wrote a whole new one from scratch. And it was that script that got me offers of representation from CAA and a few other agencies. Uh, And I think that I I credit the fact that I came here with at least some measure of humility, and not being married to my work and a real open mind about what it took to succeed and, and really an an ability and the eagerness to listen to the people who had more experience than I did. I think that really helped launch me. Um, And ultimately, I arrived in Los Angeles in the beginning of 2003. And by June of 2003, I was represented and staffed. And, um, and I'm not saying it works out like that for everybody. There are some people I know who had even, I have a friend of mine, David Feige, who got a job before he even arrived in Los Angeles. So some people have it luckier than me. And a lot of people come here and it takes five years before they get their first really big bite. But I think if you have a work ethic and if you have dedication and if you have a real willingness to put your nose to the grindstone and keep your head down and really learn the field and give it your best, then this is a field where people can really make their dream as a reality. Okay.
0: So you you are an alum of Johns Hopkins, the uh, writing sounds.
1: Yes, I went to Johns Hopkins for my master's.
0: Yeah. Um, so would you... Uh, I guess for people who are interested in going into the film industry, would you recommend um, going to some sort of film school uh, for postgraduate work?
1: Well, yes and no. I think that people who get their masters from uh, get go to film schools like USC or UCLA or NYU um, do have a leg up because they enter the field with a lot of contacts. At the very least, their fellow students. And they certainly have experience. Um, they've, They've learned something from some really good teachers. So if you have the time, if you have the money, if the ability to get in, I certainly recommend it. What I would also say, though, is that it's no substitute, at least from my perspective, for having genuine life experience. I think that people can train you all they want in order to be able to tell a story in a good way. But what ultimately matters is whether you've got a good story to tell. So I recommend in general that whoever you are, if you're thinking about entering this business, take a look at your life, take a look at your passions, take a look at what you know Um, and. And be open to the idea that maybe you need more training, maybe you need more experience, but also be open to the idea that if you really reach into your heart and dig into your experiences and tell your stories from a position of passion and excitement and genuine introspection, then you may already be ready. Yeah.
0: Okay, great. Um, So was there uh, a person um, that you could kind of point out that really influenced you either you know, going through your you know, career or, or you know, as a writer, is there someone who you really look up to as a writer who you try to, in some senses, try to emulate them a little bit in your writing?
1: Yeah, I have a lot of influences. Um, Aaron Sorkin is my greatest creative influence because the first script I wrote was a West Wing. I also consider him to be an exceptionally good writer, Mm -hmm. gifted at dialogue and gifted at drama and gifted at humor. But every time I read a great script, I'm inspired and I consider that person to be my role model. Most recently, Steve Conrad has really inspired me. Mm -hmm. He has a TV show right now that just got ordered a series on Amazon called Patriot, which I think is one of the most brilliant pilots I've ever read. And when I read a script like his, my immediate desire is I got to go write something. I got to go write something, too. It really gets my juices flowing. Uh, And I'm very fortunate to be friends with some great writers. I'm friends with Tom Shulman, the guy who wrote Dead Poet Society. Mm -hmm. And it's not just his creativity and his high aspirations for what can be accomplished in the medium that excites me. Tom also just happens to be a really amazing human being, uh, very moral. Very, uh, his integrity is impeccable. Uh, his humanity is inspirational. And just spending time with him and getting to know him has made me not only want to be a better writer, but also a better human being. I feel similarly about Nicholas Kazan and uh, um, Robin Swicourt, his wife, who's also a writer and a director. Uh, John Requa and Glenn Ficarra, um, Howard Gordon. You know the, the the list of of writers who you get a chance to meet when you're in this town and spend time with, it, it just keeps growing and growing over time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's a blessing. It's one of the great things about Hollywood. I you know I, I have lots of actor friends. And I have lots of uh, friends who are directors and lots of friends who are line producers and who are script supervisors and the whole works. Uh, But I think the people who, to me, who I find to be able to avoid the, the biggest craziness of the industry tend to be writers Because they have a lot of influence over what ends up on TV or on the movies. But because their faces aren't on TV or on movies themselves, um, and because they're able to sort of distance themselves a little bit, I think they're able to retain some of their humanity Mm. a little bit more easily than others. But, you know, there's exceptions to every rule. There are writers who are off the deep end, and there are actors who are truly um, great, stable people. Uh, and there are script supervisors who you can't even imagine doing a show without. And there are, um, cameramen and, and electricians and set dressers and, and set decorators who are salt of the earth. So I think one of the things that's exciting about Hollywood is being in a creative town surrounded by creative people, all of whom are there to give you your best.
0: Okay. All right. So as a writer, um, pick a few must-see films um, for you know, a student or a filmmaker should watch, um, and why, or what makes those movies so great?
1: Well, first of all, I think that one of the things I recommend is for you personally, whoever's listening to this, to pick your favorite movie and then read the script. A lot of people don't necessarily do that, and I think it's an incredibly advantageous thing to do, to take a a project that really touches you and read the script and therefore see what makes it so great. You're going to learn so much from that experience. Uh, For me, um, just off the top of my head, um, Spotlight is a brilliant feature, Uh, And a fantastic script. I happen to know Josh Singer, who's one of the two writers of the script, and I'm so proud of him for what he accomplished. I also think that um, the script for Steve Jobs is a work of art. Um, Those are two current films. Um, I think that uh, The Matrix is absolutely brilliantly written and brilliantly shot. I mean, this across the board, everything was everyone was firing on all cylinders. Mm Uh, when it comes to television, I would recommend watching Hill Street Blues and reading a few of those scripts. L.A. Lost, Stephen Bochco is just a master. Um, as well as The West Wing, I, I watch The West Wing almost on endless loop in this household. I watch it again and again and again. And I, I, I learn something from every episode I watch. Uh, I, um, I uh, Right now, my favorite comedy on the air is shot right here in Silver Lake which is where I live and it's called um, Who's the Worst? Or You're the Worst. It's a terrific terrific show. I recommend watching that and really getting inside the writers and the directors and the the actors heads because they're really doing some cutting edge work. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay, Um, so as we wrap up, uh, what advice would you give to a young filmmaker?
1: Read. Read a lot of scripts move to Los Angeles, just buck it up and get, get your ass here. Um, think about what's important for you to say, think about the projects that you've encountered that have touched you the most deeply and maybe even changed your life and think about how you can uncover your own voice. Most of all, I would say be ambitious, be really ambitious, aim high. There's no reason not to. This is among the most competitive industries in the world, but that's not just bad news because it's hard. It's also good news because if you really want to succeed here in order to make it happen, you're going to have to take on the big issues of your life. You're going to have to address whatever really has held you back so far in your life and you're going to have to overcome it. You yourself are going to become your greatest creation and your greatest form of self-actualization. And I wish you luck.
0: All right. Well, great. Thank you so much, Roger, for participating on
1: my podcast. You're very welcome.
0: So there you have my interview with Roger Wolfson. Thanks so much to Roger for such an incredible interview. And for all the listeners... Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on set.